You want to go ahead and talk? <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. He's always been super nice before I knew he was going to do because he's always been nice so long. He says, I love doing podcasts, what he said when I asked him. Like, if I didn't have SDCC, I'd be there. I do it. I do the podcast. I was like, okay, that's cool. Kevin is speaking about a dude that has produced, whether he's writing, editing, uh, just kind of overseeing 1,000 comic books. The dude's been making comics since 1995. He was one of the dudes kind of on the ground floor at Image Comics. He was like that next wave of guys. Today on the podcast, we're talking to Top Cow's COO, Matt Hawkins. And welcome to the Word Bros Podcast. My name is Bob. Hello. And I'm Kevin. How you guys doing? And uh, we just gonna, I think we're just going to jump right in with this thing today, man, because Matt, Matt went on for a pretty long time and he's got a lot of really awesome stuff to say. He's by far our highest profile guest. I mean, the guy runs Top Cow. I mean, like he's, I mean, just some of the stuff that he talks about is insane. And so like, I don't want to wait in, I don't want to like reflect on it because you haven't listened to it. I just want to get right to it. Let's get down to the brass tacks of it. So without any further ado, that's a lot of fucking comics. Yeah, that and 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 he said they made the most money ever at twenty five. That's, That's a lot. Of, yeah, me too. Though so. what a house! Yeah, <laughs> I did. I bought a lot of alcohol. So let's let's get to let's get to Matt Hawkins. <laughs> All right, today on Word Bros, we are joined by a man who has created, according to your Top Cow biography, over a thousand comics. Good lord. <laughs> a thousand. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's impressive. Well, not, uh, I've read, I haven't written all of those. I've only written probably two or three hundred. I mean, I've edited hundreds of other books and produced and published. And so I've been, you know, I've been part of Image since uh, April of 93. But I like how you're trying to downplay, like, now I've only written like 500 of those things. I didn't write all of them. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, we're joined today by Matt Hawkins. Hello, Matt. It's a pleasure to have you on Word Bros. Well, thanks for having me on. It's, it's an honor. I, I love podcasts. I actually wanted to record one on my own on science and religion, but uh, I actually hated the way I sounded. So I recorded two or three episodes with my wife just for fun, and then I killed it. So. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, so you're not a, a fan of your own voice then? Nobody is, though. That's the thing about this whole business. Yeah, I just, you know, I, when I when I went on to Audible, or not Audible, or whatever it was, the, the audio thing on the Mac to figure it out, I was like, oh my God. It, it, it annoyed me so much that I, I just couldn't do it, and I gave it up. I was just now, doing it for fun anyway, because I love podcasts, you know? Now, in your head, who do you think you sounded like? When you were talking on the <laughs> microphone, you're like, wow, I sound like blank. Who do you think you sounded like? I don't know, so, something a little manlier. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same problem. Ving Rhames or something, you know, and I come out like uh, like that guy that does the bird voices on uh, Aladdin. I remember that guy's name. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried, yeah. When I hear my voice, I'm like, I hear it like that. Like that. So I feel like I'm sad, you know what, I'm listening to it. But then when I when I, when I I hear my voice, I'm like, hello there, how are you? Yeah, so. <laughs> well, I will say this. In defense of Gilbert Gottfried, that dude has made a lot of money doing voiceover. So you could sound oh, like no. someone worse, you know? Yeah, no, no doubt. I, uh, but uh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, how are things at Top Cow? What are you working on now? How are things going over there? That's exactly what I was going to ask. It's going really well. You know, uh, we just got back from San Diego Comic Con, um, and that is a uh, just a fatigue, uh, fatigue fest, man. By the time uh, five days of that shit, you know, hundred thousand people rolling through there. It's. Uh, you come home Sunday, and it takes two or three days to recover. Half my office always gets sick. Every year we get what we affectionately call the con crud. And so half the people are 
you know, sick and out. And so it takes, it almost takes a week to recover, you know, and I'm pushing 50 now. So I'm not some spring chicken. It's what? It's harder, <laughs> harder now for me than it's ever been. You know what I mean? You're but, 50. Uh, you look, you look great. You look amazing <laughs> for your age. I, when you got up, you had the tight uh, black t-shirt on showing uh, off your guns, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 48. I'm not 50 yet. Don't right. age me yet. You're, you're uh, close. Uh, you're getting close. This. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'm I 30. Am. I'm 39, but I tell everybody I'm 40. <laughs> oh, right on. So. I, uh, you know, my, I have two teenage kids and I got my wife's 33. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by youth and millennials. It's nutty. But, it it uh, keeps you young, man. It <laughs> definitely does. But uh, no, you know, I like today I was working on a project called Sugar. Um, I'm writing actually, I'm actually working right now on seven different things at the same time. Wow, which is, dude. Which is wow. Um, I'm working on Cyberforce, uh, which we're relaunching at the end of this year to do a, a nice two or three year run on that. Uh, which Atelier Rojo is drawing the guy I worked on Samaritan with. He also did the second volume of Ninth Generation with me. Um, we followed up uh, Stefan Sage on that. Um, and then uh, what else am I working on? Sugar is uh, a companion book to Sunstone. Um, it's like that uh, – we have Sunstone, uh, then Blood uh, Bloodstain, which is Linda Sedgwick's book. Um, I'm doing another book called Swing with Linda Sedgwick, which is another sort of sex subculture erotic kind of filth fiction slice of life thing. Um, and then uh, Sugar is another one in that category. Sunstone was such a massive success for us. It's been the most successful and, and the best sales of any book we've had in, in many years. And uh, wow. so the problem was uh, we didn't have anything else in that category. You know, so the slice of life, romantic fiction, comedy kind of stuff. I got to tell you, going from writing like uh, the tie think tank to writing something like that was a, a shock to the system. And uh, I, it, I got to tell you, I have a newfound respect for those people that write that romantic fiction stuff because fuck, it's hard to do. I mean, I, I, that slice of like, you know, you have a MIG shooting down a dragon. That's pretty easy to make cool, right? <laughs> you know, you got a girl at a restaurant fighting with a guy over, you know, how disrespected her, you know, I mean, uh, that's fucking hard to make interesting, you know? So it's, it's, uh, I, I had a hard, really hard time and I, I, I really had to leverage the Cedrics because, um, I, on the first draft of Swing, which Linda is drawing, I mean, I, I did eight drafts of that script. It's the most of any script I've ever done. Holy smokes. And, uh, yeah, and I, cause I kept rewriting it. And, and the first issue I wrote, which is 22 pages, is actually 68 pages now. Um, and we decided to go straight to an original graphic novel with the whole thing. So it'll be a 128-page book as it comes out. Um, and, I, you know, because a lot of the stuff with science fiction, you can sort of shorthand it. And a lot of my books, I'll be like, uh, you know, like at the beginning of Terminator, shit happens. The fucking <laughs> you, know, you shorthand some shit and people on your end it, you know. Uh, you don't need to build up and then you sort of throw the characters into the mix. I mean, <coughs> in, in the sort of romantic stuff, you got to make people care about the characters, you know, before you fuck with them. Yes. So uh, they, tell me, they kept telling me to go. I had such a hard time for a long time. And then Cedric and I got on Skype and he told me uh, – Go watch the first 10 minutes of the Pixar movie up like 10 times in a row. Just the first 10 minutes. Okay. And then, then go and try to write it again. And so I, I did that literally. I sat down and watched it for about an hour. I didn't do it 10 times. I did it four or five times. <laughs> and I went, went and rewrote it. And uh, then I sent it to him. And it was, it, I got to give the guy credit. It was, it was a great note. And uh, it was very helpful. And uh, the final draft of what it is, 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 I'm very proud of. I mean, Sunstone, if you don't know what it is, is kind of Fifty Shades of Gay. Uh, he hates it that I call it that, but it's a shorthand people get. It's two lesbian girls that uh, meet each other and fall in love, and they're into that together, and they have sort of this interesting relationship, and Sunstone is their safe word. Um, and uh, people that are into this S&M stuff are very – they love Sunstone. They hate Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, everyone that's come up to me at the booth that's into that into – that, is actually authentically into that sort of a lifestyle. They hate Fifty Shades of Grey because they see it as this sort of rapey, controlling, uh, weird thing. Um, and, uh, you know, the, if you really get into S&M, and I'm personally not into S&M, but uh, it's, it's, it's about trust. No, it really is about trust. You know, I mean, you have to trust your partner and it, it just completely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. So, and I've talked to a lot of these people and they come up and they talk about how much they love Sunstone. But, uh, you know, I love Think Tank and I talk about it all the time. It's my favorite book I do. But we, and I brag about how Think Tank Volume 1 is in, hey, it's still Team Sexy. I love it. But Think Tank, <laughs> Think Tank Volume 1 is in the third printing, right? Wow. Which, is, uh, which is kind of an honor. But the first printing of Sunstone sold more than all three of those combined. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, to be so fair, just to be fair, sex sells. So you, you, it's hard to kind of compete with that. I mean, you well, also yeah. said that on Think Tank, it says this book will make you smarter. People don't want to be smarter necessarily. They want to be sexier. 
Yeah, that's true. No, it is true. And I, I think the key is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are into that kind of a lifestyle, you know, and a lot more than you'd think. I mean, the one thing, the reason why I did Swing as the second volume is because when I started doing all this research on sexual subcultures, there's in, in Los Angeles alone, there's two S&M clubs. There's six swinging clubs. Interesting. So, and I started, and so uh, my wife and I went and, you know, staked them out and kind of checked them out. And uh, <laughs> it was pretty fascinating and talked to some people and hung out. And uh, uh, it, it really is an interesting world. So we're doing a book called Swing. Uh, and then as, as a part of that, because I was in that mindset, I started developing another book called Sugar, which is about the sort of a sugar baby, sugar daddy relationship um, and kind of a modern day uh pretty woman really is what it is uh, but you got to make things interesting it's a different sexual subcultures and and for us uh, I, I figured out the way to make sugar interesting is uh it's the first time the guy's done it it's the first time the girl's done it but they do enter into some sort of relationship like that but they end up you know going through turmoil and they stay together of course you know it's, uh, so it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun I mean it's, it's been a pretty broad departure for me but uh you know we've done some Amazon pre-orders and uh that swing book it's going to 10 times so I think take book sales. That's all. See, and it's cool. I can, I can tell that you're a pro and you've done a million of these interviews because every question that I want to ask is a follow-up. You're asking yourself and answering them. So I'm just on cruise control here, Matt. You can do this is, your, this is your world, Daddy. Because I was going to ask no, you, like, no how do you go from writing a book like Think Tank to doing a book that you described yourself as like a modern day pretty woman? Like, how do you how do you turn that part of your brain on? Um, it's it's I got to be honest, it's really hard. And uh, a lot of it for me is I listen to different types of music, and I find movies that I like that are in that genre, and I will watch them before I go write. Like, uh, you know, back when I was doing Cyberforce, for whatever reason, I would go back and rewatch Tron Legacy, you know, and because uh, that caught me into a weird techie, kind of a weird techie mode. And even though I don't necessarily love that movie, it sort of just clicked in my head. And maybe it was the Daft Punk soundtrack or was it Daft Punk? That soundtrack, I really like that soundtrack. And so I would watch that movie kind of in the background while I'd be doing some other stuff, surfing the internet or whatever. And then, uh, you know, so different, different books, I listen to different types of music and I, and I watch different types of things to get myself in the mode. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, and, and for me, it's, 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 it's really about just getting in that headspace. Um, and the first few hours, the first day is always a transitional day. Cause like, uh, earlier this week I was working on symmetry volume three. Uh, yesterday I was working on sugar today. I was working on, you know, side force. So, um, you, you got to kind of shift around. Um, and I'm also, I am just, you know, I am writing a, a think tank novel. I, I sort wow. of uh, have realized awesome. that the, uh, that the audience for that type of a book, like a Tom Clancy-esque kind of Michael Crichton kind of thing, is significantly higher in prose than it is in, in graphic novels and comics. And uh, I just have always been in comics. I've been in comics since 93. So um, I've been working with a couple guys I know, and I've got a couple friends and an editor over at Tor, so I'm going to see if they'll put it out for me. That's That'd cool. be great. Yeah. So. Um, now I had a question. I, I saw that you guys were using Kickstarter is a platform and there was an internet uh, response to that. And I liked what you said. So if people didn't hear it, um, if you don't mind reiterating what you were, were saying about that with uh, Golgotha, the Kickstarter for that. Um, and I thought that was a really cool response you had about that. Um, was it the, in terms of the people that were complaining? Yeah, because they were complaining um, that, that you guys shouldn't use Kickstarter as a platform. And, and there was a lot of criticism. Right. And, then, and then you answered that. And I liked what your answer was. I was like, oh, that's a really, that's a really clever answer. So Oh, thanks, man. Well, it's just, you know, usually the answers are, are easier to remember when they're true. Uh, but the, uh, for, for us, Kickstarter was really, it's just an alternative distribution platform, you know, right. and the, uh, the direct market does not support original graphic novels and the direct market and comic book stores do not support a lot of stuff that's not sort of a traditional format comic that they're used to. And, and they don't take a lot of risks. And I don't, I don't blame them, actually. There's 2,000 products a month they've got to order blind. And, uh, it's, it's being a comic book retailer is a very hard job. I, I personally wouldn't want to do it, you know? So, um, I, I have a lot of respect for these guys, but a book like Golgotha, the direct market is not going to support. And most of the people that bitched at us about the Kickstarter were other smaller creators that wanted to do Kickstarters. And I'm like, oh, fuck <laughs> off, you know, I, seriously, go fuck yourself. You know I mean? It's not like you own the goddamn platform. It's within the rules of Kickstarter that we did it. We had their blessing. They made our project a, uh, uh, I don't remember what it was. A recommended it's a favorite, or, like a favorite. A favorite, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they, they were behind us on the project, you know. And and so when people get in my face about that stuff, I'm like, you know what? Fuck off. Right. So that's, that's probably really... not as PC as what I said in the internet. <laughs> no, you don't need to be PC here, man. Fuck them. That's well, what I say. You know. The reason why I was asking is because uh, 
as you know, Bob and I both made comics through Kickstarter. So um, it was one of those things where we were like, when I, when I read it, I, I told him, I was like, I like his response to that. Cause it's really funny. Cause it's basically like people griping, like they're, like they're taking up something. Like there's only a certain amount of people who are going to back a Kickstarter. It's almost like what people say when you play D and D, Oh, you only have a certain amount of twenties in that dice. Yeah, was, right. What? That's funny. <laughs> That's so funny. You mentioned D and D cause I, I literally right before uh, working on my campaign I'm playing on Sunday oh, nice. I, run, I, I run a game so right now I am playing uh, I'm playing a Pathfinder game I'm playing a fourth edition game which is just uh, no offense I'm just kind of over fourth edition uh, I'm waiting for Starfinder to come out have you heard about Starfinder no I haven't actually played in uh, 30 years really uh, this so this is this- your first go yeah, 5e, I'm, I'm running a game, and I've kind of gotten obsessed with it. I've bought all these Dwarven Forge <laughs> things. Have you ever seen these things? Yes, they're <laughs> like, awesome. Uh, they're expensive, like, though. Yeah, these little beds and uh, tables. It's, and like a, like, it's, like a, it's a grown yeah. man dollhouse is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can make, like, little uh, dungeons. Yeah, dungeons those things look cool. Run, run the miniatures through them and stuff. And so That's awesome. I, I've gotten a little obsessive about it. It's been fun, though. Because Bobby's <laughs> going to Gen Con soon. I'm going to Gen Con because I'm in, I'm based out of Cincinnati, so I'm going to take. Oh really? It. Yeah. You want to see, see something really cool? Yeah, sure. Sure. I'm, you're like I'm you're proud. like a you're like a prop comic. This is amazing. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really proud of this. That's my uh, the done the map I made for my world. Look at that. That's awesome. So, I don't know if you see that. I That's did really like cool. this thing. Uh, it's like uh, human areas. This is the elves. This is the dwarves. There's orcs down here, and there's another human area. Um, but uh, I like the idea of doing islands to where it's, it's more important that, uh, you know, you're shipping and naval. So That's exactly that. what I was going to say about your map. I was going to say, you know, I dig the map because there's a lot of water. Water. And, and I said that to him on, I said that to him on Facebook. I yeah. was like, you're, you're going to yeah, need to swim and navigate. <laughs> yeah. So here's like the mermaid cities and there's the Sahagwan cities and they'll be in war underwater. So having fun of it, I actually created a, a bunch of factions for renown and this whole, whole world. I mean, I've spent fucking months and months and months on this it, sh- it should be fun because uh all the people i'm playing with are writers the, all the cool. game all the players are, it's uh brian hill dan wickline uh another guy named mark who you guys wouldn't know he's not in comic business but um and then my wife who writes uh swing and stuff with me She's that's awesome too. but it should now, be fun now what awesome. now what can the players expect from matt hawkins the dm like what's 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 the first president of top cow coo dungeon master gosh i mean this guy doesn't sleep (laughs) well i I, uh the world i created is sort of like a religious war like the uh the main human area so the the whole concept of the the world i created was 350 years ago there was an invasion by uh drow uh and demons that worked together like lolf uh what's their name the spider spider demon god yeah 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 and uh orcas the uh, that god one of the abyssal there was this massive invasion into the world so all the races had to work together to uh fight them off and that was 350 years ago and there was this group of adventurers which have been called the uh five and it's five adventurers they in theory they've all died but uh they sort of created the modern world because they got everyone together to fight off this invasion and one of the people that lived was this cleric was the main guy behind this thing and uh he was a human and when he went back to his world he built the city that the characters start in and he okay. sort of created the fact that there's this uh, order of the sun that the sun god is the one true god and all the other gods uh, are lesser than so people that worship the other gods so, so now the humans are trying to wipe out all the other gods and people of faith have tried to absorb it so it's, it's kind of this religious war thing so it's kind of fun why do I have a feeling that you're also going to start writing like game mods soon? Like you just have this energy, man. <laughs> like you're just pumped about it. It's really good to see. That's awesome. Well, I uh, I know Tabs real well, the guy who runs IDW, and I know they have the D and D license. So I, I actually told him what I was doing, and he said I should turn it into a graphic novel. So I probably will do that. That's so awesome. the characters and and do and, it. And then and, what uh, you can do is write everything off. All these things that you're buying, your little your little mini beds and your mini tables. It's all a write off then. <laughs> I, I've already, I'm already writing it off. So. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all research, baby. You know, you That's should, great... <laughs> you should teach a class. That's fantastic. Now, you guys yeah. are getting ready. You guys are gearing up for your, uh, your Top Cow contest again. You guys do, doing that this year? Yes. Yes, the uh, Top Cow Talent Hunt. The uh, first due date. Well, the, the the due date is December fifteenth. So okay. That's the date to turn in the. Uh, so everyone's got plenty of time to do it. As an artist, you need to do, I think, five or six pages sequential art of one of the things. As a writer, you have to turn in a full 20 to 22-page uh, full script. 
um, but you've still got months to do it. We had an early deadline of August 15th. For anyone that turns it in by August 15th, uh, we will actually provide some feedback so that they can then go back and adjust it um, and on both the art and on the writing. Um, and I judge the writing and Sylvester judges the art. So it's uh, wow. a, lot of, a lot of the artists come and ask me for tips. And I'm like, I don't fucking know shit. I can't draw. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, that's the one thing I love about Sylvester is, is the guy is just a master class at, at art, you know, and uh, he can look at all these art. The reason why Mark has found so many young, talented artists like Mike Turner, Dave Finch, Billy Tan, I mean, Mike Choi, I mean, you go through this list of all these famous artists today, and a lot of them were, were guys that Silvestri plucked out of the, the ether, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, you look at all these guys' original uh, submissions, and I still have some of them. Uh, they suck. And these are people <laughs> I would not have personally have hired. Mike Turner, I would not have hired. His submission was god-awful. So was Dave Finch. Huh. Uh, but S Silvestri saw their work, saw the diamond in the rough, and uh, said, no, we need these guys. And I, I looked at it, I'm like, okay. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I can look at art. I've done this long enough where I can look at art and say, this guy or this girl, they're professional. I can work with this guy or this girl. I would love to work with them personally. You know, that's mm -hmm. easy for me to do. Uh, someone that needs a little training, I, I, yeah, that's, that's out of my wheel. I can't do it. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, yeah, I had a friend last year who was in the Top Cow Talent Hunt, and I was really impressed by the fact that you guys, he turned in the script soon enough, and you guys actually did give him, like, honest feedback. That was really impressive, and I thought that was very cool. That must take, I mean, weeks to do that, because, I mean, think about all the ones that come in early. Or does it yeah, not take too, that too long at all? <laughs> Um, no, it, it takes a couple of days. I mean, it, it's not as many as you'd think. I think we get three or 400 of the writer submissions and, and four or 500 of the, uh, the artist submissions. Um, and uh, Ryan, myself and Elaine, and we crank through the, the writer ones. Um, and then, uh, I, what I end up doing is I'll, we'll, we'll just go to bang them out really. And then, uh, Ryan will actually type, type up the responses. So oh, I don't cool. actually, that's the, that's the time consuming part is actually physically typing up the responses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I, I, I don't actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this guy needs to work on his structure. This guy needs to work on this. You know, uh, this is just boring as fuck. You know I mean? I, the, the, it's, con it's usually conveyed to people in a nicer way. But sometimes, you know, yeah. sometimes you need to hear that. Hey, this is boring, it's boring as fuck. Yeah, yeah. You need to hear it. it. It will help you get better. Yeah. No, you know, the problem, I think, you know, the biggest thing I would say to most up and coming creators um, is first, it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot harder than you think it is to break into this industry. I, I think people have this weird notion that it's easy. Um, and I run into these people all the time. And I, do you guys have any idea how many working professional comic book writers there are that get paid to do this for a living? I don't, I don't want to know. Uh, we guess like 50, maybe 50. No, there's, there's about 300. 300. Okay. 300. There's 1200 people in the NFL. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean, you know, there's like, uh, you know, so I mean, when you compare that, I mean, statistically, you have a better chance of being a, a National Football League player than you do uh, for writing comic books. And I think, you know, when you when you start thinking of that, I think maybe people should have a little more respect for, for the people that do it. <laughs> but, no, it's just, uh, it always amazes me when I'm at a comic book store and, you know, and a lot of the Marvel and, and DC zombies that that's all they read. They don't know who I am. So I can go in there and overhear their conversations and uh, they'll talk about, oh, I can write this better than this guy. And it's just not that easy, you know, especially corporate yeah. comics, you know, dealing with editors and being told what to do, which is, which is why I don't do it. I um, would love to see that. Like just you swoop in. Well, tell me your idea. <laughs> like the little, I can see the little devil horns pop out of your forehead. I don't engage anymore. I just listen. I, okay, I, uh, okay. I generally find engaging people as a waste of time because uh, <laughs> people, people don't want, uh, generally people don't want feedback. They want affirmation or validation or they want a job. You know, want a pat and, on the uh, back. I see what you're saying. Yeah, they want a pat on yeah. the back. They don't want they don't want general honest feedback. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that all the time where people will come up and ask me what I think of this, and uh, I, I'm stupid enough that I'll usually tell them. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I, I, I you know, it's it's pissed some people off. I've had people block me on Facebook, and I'm like, you know what? Some people just need a a, real, a dose of reality. Uh, the artists are the are, are the worst, by the way, because there are. Here's the problem with artists. If you're, if you're like a small town person and you grow up in the art program and let's say you're from, uh, I don't know, some small town in Kansas, you know, uh, mm -hmm. your school thinks you're the shit. Your grandma thinks you're the shit. You got her, she's got your art all over her house, you know? So then, then you go and, and you know, you go to some sort of liberal arts art program at some, you know, shitty school in Kansas. And then, uh, <laughs> then, then this person's like, I'm ready world. Where's my job? And, and they suck. 
And uh, that happens so often where you'll get these submissions from the people and they're kind of arrogant about it, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and they're not good at all, you know, and I, I can't tell you, I've, like I said, this is my 25th year in this business and I have seen tens of thousands of artists uh, that have just come and gone wistfully. You know, every year I'll see a hundred new people at San Diego Comic-Con about 90% of them I'll never hear from again, you know, oh, wow. and uh, no, it's, it's, I don't know, you know, what, what can you do? Well, since you're so honest, I just want to take the time to, to thank you for always being nice to me online. Because if it wasn't for Matt being nice, I probably wouldn't be writing comics now. He's like, oh, well, it seems like you can tell a story. So, man, you should go for it. That was really cool of him. He could have been like, man, you fucking suck. And it sounds like, <laughs> no, I, it sounds like he would. So that's yeah. really great. Well, yeah. I don't ever say it, say it like that. I'm, 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 I'm generally a, a nice person. I think you guys caught me on a feisty night. Dude, I'll take you on a feisty night. Whatever, whatever you're drinking, keep at it, man. it's awesome but uh no it's just uh no i you know i try to be nice people and i I try to be positive i mean i wasn't always actually i've I've become much more positive as i've gotten older which is kind of weird because everyone tells me it's usually the opposite um and i've become much more relaxed and about so many things you know um you know i was i was raised a a right-wing conservative christian kid Mm. and uh you know flash forward 35 years comics <laughs> no and i'm a i'm a left wing you know i'm a lefty now and uh i've made almost a, a full weird switch i'm a, i went from a right-wing conservative christian kid to a a left-wing atheist uh awesome. in, in 40 years you know and uh to the consternation of my parents you know, so <laughs> it is what it is i my mom continues to have the blue-haired old ladies club pray for me every day so. oh, that's, i mean that's nice that she still that's, cares enough. that's sweet that's sweet of her though and I, I, oh i know Lord, I, know. I hope my son's bondage comic sells gangbusters. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, so let me ask you a question. Do you have a copy of the first script that you ever wrote? Like, do you have a, a, a copy of that thing floating around somewhere? And if you no. do, do you don't, do you remember no. the first book you ever wrote? Like the first comic you ever sat down and started writing? Yeah, it was uh, Lady Pendragon number one in 1995. Which I found, I, I found that recently. I, I found it. Oh, really? I, yeah, I found the trade. Like I couldn't find the actual issues. I went looking for them, couldn't find those, but I found a trade. So, so that was the that that was the first book you ever wrote. Like that was the first like time you attempted to write a comic script. That was it. Yeah, it was Lady Pendragon number one. Uh, wow. The first the first verse book back in nineteen ninety five, and awesome. uh, it was part of uh, it was came out from Maximum Press, which was one of Rob Liefeld's studios uh, companies back then. And uh, then I did. Uh, I did a lot of shit. I did Six String Samurai, which is a one-shot comic based on a film. Um, and then uh, when, I, when Awesome Comics went down, um, I was jobless. And I almost went back into the science world. I, I started applying actually to do some, uh, some research and tech jobs. And I was pretty close to just getting sucked back into the world of science, research science. And then uh, Larry Martyr called me and said, uh, hey, that Lady Pendragon book you did at uh, Maximum, do you own that? I'm like, yeah, it was mine. And he's like, you know, if you'd want to do that at Image, I'd, I'd, I'd do it with you. And I'm wow. like, really? So um, then I did 18 issues uh, over two years of Lady Pendragon at uh, Image Central when Larry Martyr was running it. Uh, we also did a book called Alley Cat, um, which was based on that Playboy lingerie model. <laughs> 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 Sorry for another day. Um, and then uh, based on the success of Lady Pendragon, uh, Top Cow hired me. Um, and I started there in, in uh, April of 98. I mean, I started at Extreme in April of 93. I started at Top Cow in April of 98. Um, and I've been at Top Cow ever since. And uh, I wrote uh, well, I wrote a series of video game adaptations. I did not write a lot of comics from uh, 1990 to 2000. Oh, wait, no. 2000? Yeah, 2000 to 2010. I don't think I wrote very many comics. I did work on two seasons of the Power Rangers. I wrote a bunch of episodes for that. Um, <laughs> My buddy was the showrunner, and he asked me. He asked me if I would uh, Power Rangers SBD. He asked me if I would do one just for fun, and I did it. Um, and then they asked me to keep writing more and more and more freelance. Um, and wow. it was just, it was fun. So I did. I I did eighteen episodes. Got me in the Writers Guild, um, <laughs> and uh, pays a lot of money. I mean, writing TV pays a lot of fucking money. I mean, I uh, the reason why I didn't keep doing it is because honestly, writing TV is a grind, um, and uh, they treat you like shit. So I, uh, I like working in comics because honestly, I love what I'm doing now because I, I kind of get to do, you know, whatever the fuck I want. So, um, <laughs> Interesting. you know, no one really tells me what to do. Uh, the only people that ever tell me what to do are, are market and economic forces, you know, like when a book doesn't sell. 
on to the next one. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, it's kind of fun. That's interesting. So, so you've seen this business from its tippy top. I mean, the peak of the industry down to the, 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 the very bottom. You've seen this thing almost bottom out. Like, I guess you, did you see the comments over the weekend at San Diego Comic-Con about how the, the industry's in danger? Uh, yeah, wires. That's, that's all. That's that's the quote. That's all horse. That's all horse. Eh, eh, whatever. That's all. That's all. You know, and, and Jim Lee actually went online and said he never actually said that. Okay. Um, so some of that was some of that was misconstrued. Oh, okay. um, and uh, I, I I don't know what was said in, in terms of what context. I saw the reports of it, and then I saw Jim Lee go on Twitter and say he never said that. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't know actually what was said. Um, is the comic book industry in in some uh, problem? Yeah, it always has been though. I mean. Uh, when we started, when I started in 93, there were 10,000 stores. Now there's about 1,500, you know. So the, the, the retail base is, is significantly smaller than it once was. But uh, there's way more opportunities. I mean, we make almost uh, half our revenue now direct and selling at convention. You know, I mean, uh, that's why you see me touring so much because that's where so much of our revenue comes from, you know. And because uh, the problem with the comic book industry is, is people don't go online. Most people, most Right. Don't look for shit. They walk into the store and see what's out and they have a few things they've pre-ordered uh, and then they'll walk around and look at whatever's there and they'll ask the guy behind the counter what's new or they'll talk to their friends, their little close-knit group. Most, the vast majority of people don't go to CBR. They don't go to, you know, Facebook pages. They don't, they don't do any of that. And so, you know, how do you break through that mold? Well, you got to shake their hand. You know, it, it really is a hustle business and you got to build a uh, fan base um, that, that comes back for more and seeks your work out. It's why it's so fucking hard. It, it really is difficult, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I do 15, 20 shows a year. I do another 30 or 40 uh, appearances at comic book stops and Barnes and Nobles and various places. And it's a hustle game. You know, you're out there hustling your stuff on a constant basis. And uh, it's a little easier if you, if you get on an iconic book, but uh, those things don't always translate to creator own. I see it all the time where people will go write X-Men for four years and then they'll try to launch a creator of a book and no one cares. Yeah. Right. Or vice versa. You'll see somebody who's smashing ass on a creator owned book and then jump over to the big two. And it's just, it's like a plane to do a fucking mountain. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. No. And there's no, let's see, here's the thing. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, and this is what I always tell people. I said, if you want to write a comic, write a comic, pay for it yourself and do it. I mean, uh, there's, see, here's the thing. The barrier to entry of being a comic book writer or being a comic artist is very low. You go and set up an account on Tapas or Tapastic or whatever the fuck they're calling it now, Line Webtoon, and you start posting shit, you know, and uh, boom, you're a comic book creator. Um, now, whether you're actually going to ever make money on that is a whole different subject, you know, yes. and that's where when I say how many people professionally do this as a career, there's about 300 that are writers. I think there's about 1,500 that are artists. So there's a lot more artists than there are writers because most of the established writers in the business write four or five books. Mm -hmm. right. So, you know, and each one of those, that's the nice thing about being a writer is you can write multiple titles, you know? And uh, that's the other thing. If, you, if you're serious about being a comic book writer, you need to put out two or three books a month because people will forget about you very quickly. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a constant churn. You, you got to get your name out there. You got to hustle. You know, that's why I always tell people it is a fucking hustle game. Right. It is. I was. T I was telling my wife like it's. It's like running for office. Like you're going to cons. You're shaking hands. You're kissing babies. You're making friends. Like you want people to genuinely have an experience when they meet you. You don't want them walking away from your table going, oh, "That was all right." You want them to be fucking wow because you're like part carnival barker here. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're, you're an artist and you're a carnival barker. That's you got to make that connection. Yeah. That's, that's what we have always been talking about. Like make a connection with somebody. Make a friend. Like even yeah, if they don't right. buy anything. You know, it doesn't matter if they buy it because the con might be three days. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're like a prop comic. You just pulled all kinds of stuff out of place. One sec. Awesome. Sorry, I had, can you hear me? Yes, yeah. you certainly oh, can. Oh, I had a uh, cat trauma there. So. I saw that. Um, <laughs> 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 Jumped in my face. I was attacked by my cat. Um, but uh, no, you know, I always say, you know, the thing is, if people don't, here's the problem with with anything really is we're in this sort of real time culture now and people want things now. Uh, it's why marketing is so difficult because uh, let's say I run a, a Facebook ad for something and they don't have a way to immediately click and buy it. They're going to forget about it because there's 5,000 other things that are going to hit them before the thing actually comes out. 
why I favor in uh, sort of blitzkrieg advertising when a product is available. You know, you have to advertise to the retailer first to get it in, in the store, to get sell in, and then you get sell through, you, you got to do some sort of blitzkrieg. And uh, so we, we, do, we do a lot of Facebook ads when stuff is available, but always have a call to action. You need someone to be able to buy something. Yes. And at conventions specifically, and see, this is where the industry is broken into two things. People that don't know shit don't want to pay for it. You know, I think about anything, <laughs> a movie. Uh, uh, no, if they don't, if they've not heard of you, they've not heard of the title, the chance of them buying something from you is zero. Yes. You know, I mean, it, re it really is. I mean, how hard is it to sell something to someone if they don't know who you are, they don't know who the book is, they don't know who the artist is. There's just so much other stuff out there. Right. So what, what I do, and I've been doing this for years, is uh, particularly for a three-day show, I will go and I will give out something for free on Friday, and I specifically look for people with three-day badges, and I'll give them a free comic. Like, uh, it's why I printed the Think Tank uh, image first. I printed up 20,000 of those, and I've been giving those out for three years now. And wow. uh, so what I do... What I do is I'll bring two or three cases of those to a show. All day Friday, I'll just hand them out to people. I won't even try to hard sell anyone. I'll just say, hey, you know, you're going to be here all weekend. Uh, when you get stuck in a line, when you sit down to grab your burger, uh, give this a read. Take 10, 15 minutes. Uh, come back and let me know what you think. Soft sell. You know, you gave them something, soft sell. Um, and then uh, what happens is, you know, 5, 10% of those people stroll back over the course of the weekend and some of them will just chat me up. Some of them buy shit. And, yeah. uh, and usually the people that really like it to come back, I'll sell all five volumes, you know, that's and that's great. like, boom, yeah. $70, $70 sale, you know? Yeah. You yeah. get, you get 50 of those. It's a good con. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. So, that's awesome. But so, once you have someone that's a hardcore fan, you need to be able to monetize them. That's the other part of the, the equation. That's where the hardcovers come in. Like, uh, Aphrodite nine and Sunstone, we have the hardcovers, uh, and that's where those are 50 to hundred bucks because the, the fan, when they're a serious fan, they want something cool that they can put on their bookshelf. Yes. Right. So the other question I was going to ask is, don't you have a degree in science too? So do you have a, yeah, I have a physics? Yeah, I have a master's in physics. <laughs> I, have, I have an undergraduate in uh, physics applied science and I have a master's in physics. So, yeah. God, you got so much stuff. It's awesome. so think tank for you is basically like a biography. Like this is this is your dream. This is your dream life. Like you're like this is what I want to feel. Fuck it, I'm gonna make it a comic book. Yeah, you know, I was working on my. Uh, I was actually in the master's program at UCLA uh, when Image started, and when I got that job, and I had another year to go, um, and my life kind of sucked. And I met Rob because my nephew. I didn't read comics actually. My nephew was a comic reader. 13 years younger than me. And he said, will you take me to this mile high comic signing opening where Rob Liefeld's going to be? I'm like, who's Rob Liefeld? And, uh, so <laughs> you know, I didn't know he was, um, I didn't know. Yeah, from the the commercial. I, I didn't, I didn't know that either. You know, I didn't know, uh, Jim Lee was, I didn't know who Wills was. I know who Mark's best. I know who any of these guys were. I did not read comics at all. Um, and I grew up on Asimov and, you know, and Arthur C. Clarke. And, and those were the people I read, uh, Piers Anthony, you know, and McCaffrey. Those are, those are my, Water, uh, Richard Waters, Waterson, Watership Down, who is that? Watership oh, Down, Richard, uh, Richard Adams, Richard Adams, no. Adams, Adams, right? Yeah, I think you're Adams? right. I, think I don't so. remember, but the, I, I think the movie, the, I could go look. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that the, movie. That was the first full-length book I ever read. I read that when I was eight, I think. Um, wow. And, uh, no, but I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. What were we talking about? Not how you didn't <laughs> read <laughs> comics and how you met all these fucking comic superstars, and then you just oh, jumped right into yeah. comics from UCLA. <laughs> No, my uh, no, my nephew made me go to the signing, um, and I drove him down there, and uh, we were in this three-hour line. I didn't have any idea it was going to be a three-hour line on some Saturday, and uh, <laughs> so we get down to the front. You know, my life kind of sucked at that point. Honestly, I was in the lab 30 hours a week. I was studying another 20, 30 hours a week, and I was working at a bank to pay for school another 30, 40 hours a week. So, you know, 70, 80, 90 hours a week, that's, that's a full week, you know, and uh, so when I got up to the front of this line... Uh, man, there were these young, good-looking guys. They had some cute chicks with them. And I'm like, fuck, this is for me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, you know what it was? was right in front of me the entire time of the line that I was in for three hours was this guy named Cedric Nocon. And uh, he's a, uh, an artist, was one of the early image artists. Uh, he showed his portfolio to Rob right in front of me. Um, and Rob hired him on the spot. Wow. And wow. I, I just happened to be the very next guy. And I was sort of, I was, I almost wistfully said, uh, hey, I can't draw, but are you looking for anyone else? And he's like, yeah, Rob's like, I looked at me and he's like, we're looking for someone that can do letters, pages, and write press releases. Can you do that? And I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> you so, bullshitted your way into the comics industry. I did. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, awesome. I went, 
I went to uh, Crown Books, I think it was. I don't know if those exist anymore. And I bought a book called How to Write a Press Release. And uh, (laughs) I read it. I wrote up a press release that night about the event that he just had at Maha Comics. I faxed to him the next day. He asked me to come in the next day and hired me. Wow. That's great. That's crazy. <laughs> that's amazing. And then look, and that's 25 years ago, a thousand yeah. comics later. And, and, and here crazy, you huh? are. That's, that's amazing. It, it is. Uh, it is crazy. I, I tell people all the time that the, the universe will knock a couple times with crazy shit for you. <laughs> and and uh, the question is, is do you have the balls to step through that door and, and take advantage of that opportunity? Or are you just going to let it pass? I think that happens to everyone and uh, people sometimes don't even realize it. You know, I mean, I, I could have very easily not said anything and just had my nephew sign his book. I didn't have anything. I was just accompanying my younger, he was 13, I think at the time, you know, uh, no, he was younger than that. He's like nine, you know? So I think I was 23, 24, 23, 23. And uh, yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just weird. And that's happened to me a few times where uh, I saw that there was an opportunity for something and I, I jumped on it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's worked out most of the time. That's awesome. So my friend, Robert, who works for Rogue's Portal has, as we, we asked if anybody had any questions, so he sent five questions. So I'm going to ask, ask one, quick. ask one, ask the best one. Then we'll let, we'll let him go. Cause we've been, we've been on for a while with him. Okay. Just the best one. The best one. Ask him the best one. He sent five of them though. Uh, are they all follow-ups? Yeah. But they're all good. And previous You've talked about how in on the early days of Image as an account, you saved upwards of $50,000 by cutting off the AC. What made you transition from being the accountant CFO and want to be a comics writer? That's a well, I was, never, I was never the CFO. That's, okay. that's kind of a okay. – I, I was uh, an editor. At, at that, okay. that point, I was an editor, and Rob Liefeld uh, was using his sister, Sherry, as his business manager slash accountant. And okay. then he fired her, and he said, hey, Matt, you're good with math, right? Because he knew I was a physics guy. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, can you take a look at these books? And I'm like, what do you mean, like accounting work? I'd never looked at accounting books before in my life at that point. It never had happened. And so I just, uh, I just popped in, and we, I think they used Peachtree back then. And I, I, I figured out how to use Peachtree. I went in and looked at the numbers, and I started asking a million questions. And, I'm, and I saw that the air conditioning story is a famous one because <laughs> I saw this HVAC line that was like, ten thousand dollars a month and i'm like what the fuck is hvac <laughs> and, and uh and rob was like i have no idea he's like can you call the landlord and ask so i call the landlord and his landlord is like yeah that's the air conditioning surcharge because you guys work at night and your guys at night flip the air conditioning on so it turns the air conditioning on for the whole floor and i'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> and, and, and and the landlord was like no you guys have been doing this for years so I walked out of the goddamn bullpen. I said, hey, fuck tards. No more turning on the AC at night. You know, I, I, I ripped the switch off the wall. And, uh, and so no one was able to flip the AC on all night. Suddenly we were saving $10,000 a month. So, so, wow. so you, saved image, story. you saved Image Comics with this, by saving $10,000. <laughs> no, none, none of this stuff would be here if you turn off the air conditioner. That's amazing. No, it's, it's just a stupid story. I just, it's, just, it's, just, it, it, it's sort of, you know what it is? is it, it's, uh, it really is a model of what the problem of early Image Comics was, was none of us knew what the fuck we were doing. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, we were all thrown into this immediate success we were very young and brash and arrogant and, uh, and everything we did sold. I, you know, I mentioned Lady Pendragon, you know, I, I'm happy when Think Tank sells 10,000 copies. Lady Pendragon number one sold 700,000 copies. What the what? fuck? So, you know, I mean, so that first book I ever wrote sold 700,000 copies. What did I mean, you do uh, with all the money? <laughs> I bought a house, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. That's At least you did smart with the money. That's, That's great. Very responsible of you. How old were you when that book came out? Uh, I was 25. You didn't buy like a mountain of Coke and like a Ferrari? <laughs> like this is the best shit ever. <laughs> no. I, I, you know, fortunately for me, I had seen uh, in the two years prior, I'd seen several guys make a lot of money and piss it away. Ah, and okay. uh, it, it was sort of a cautionary tale for me. I saw Dan Frega and make a bunch of money and piss it away. I saw a couple of the guys uh, do the same thing. And I don't think I would have pissed it away. I, I might have bought a Ferrari, but I, I did buy a Porsche. <laughs> I had a, a Porsche Boxster. So I had that and I, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. It, it is to, to my consternation eternally. Uh, the most money I've ever made in my life was uh, when I was twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You know what? So, I bet I bet you had a really fun time. <laughs> okay, it was nice. Question two: 
Guys yeah. like you and Neil St- Stevenson, the sci-fi author, fascinate me. You have no formal training in writing, but are some of the best storytellers I've ever read. What about what about storytelling interests you, and why is telling your story via comics the best way for you to do that? Um, that's funny, Neil Stevenson. I idolize that guy. Uh, I, you know, I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. I just I grew up in the editorial system, like the extreme, and I saw sort of books. And the problem with extreme for me early on was I was an editor for a lot of those books, but I didn't actually like a lot of the content they were doing. <laughs> I never was a I never was a superhero guy. It's right. nothing. I'm not saying they were bad books, but I personally do not like superheroes. I'm not a fan of them. I think they're kind of silly. Right. Um, and uh, you know, and I think. Marvel and DC sort of own the spandex set, so why not try to do something different? You know, if you look at what I do, it's all sci-fi, it's, uh, you know, thrillers, it's crime dramas, it's uh, sex stories, you know, I mean, I'm doing other shit now, I'm not doing superheroes. Um, so, I, yeah, it's honestly, it's 25 years of being in this industry, you know, I studied, uh, I studied the format, I studied it, I, I wrote a lot of stuff that was bad to get to the stuff that was good. Um, there's uh, I, I have a hard time reading anything I wrote. Even a couple of years ago, I read stuff I wrote. I'm like, oh my god! I just it's it's, it's constant evolution. That's what I was saying. I told a right. friend of mine. I said, if you go back and you read your first script, and if you like it, you're not growing as a writer. You should instantly kind of go, oh man, this is kind of bad. So yeah. that's interesting that you say something like that because you're always growing. You're always moving. You should always be moving forward. That's awesome. Yeah, and, I like it when and, people uh, agree think, with me. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't think I've disagreed with you yet. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing I've learned in comics is uh, economy of uh, word, brevity. You know, I mean, uh, if you go back and look at my Lady Pendragon stuff, it is verbose. I mean, I use a lot of narrative and think tank, but that's kind of intentional and, and specific to that title. A lot of the other titles I write have a lot less uh, dialogue and, and balloons because uh, it is a visual medium and you need to let the art speak for itself. Um, right. The, the biggest thing I hate in comics, I see this all the time in indie comics, is when the writer describes what's already in the art. You know, like, if, uh, you know, here's when you this have book. A, yeah, here's this book. Exactly. That shit drives me fucking nuts because I'm like, you don't need to say that. And it's just a waste of space and words. And uh, with the limited space you have, every word counts. Interesting. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we can't thank you enough. I would f- listen to you talk, man. I would follow you through a goddamn brick wall. Like you got me fired <laughs> up from comics, buddy. This is awesome. You know? I, no, dude, I love, I love, uh, I love what I do. I love life. You know, I love my wife, love my kids, love my animals, love where I live. I, I'm a really happy guy, actually. That's yeah, very can, positive. but your energy, man, and like your vibe is just you've infectious, a, dude. You've got a positive vibe. Man. Yeah, it's That's really, good. really fun to watch. It's very cool, man. And congratulations to all the six, 25 years, thousands of comics. That's amazing. Oh, crazy, huh? <laughs> and if you have time to come back again, we'd love to have you back again maybe after uh, – I, I just saw that uh, Golgotha shipped. So Yeah, anytime, you guys. I'd love to talk uh, talk about that stuff. I, any individual projects you want to get me on or – Brian Hills it would be a great guest for you too because that awesome. guy uh, – I'm a science nerd. He's a psychology nerd. Perfect. <laughs> That's fantastic. We well, Matt, ask him. thank you so much thank for you. coming on the Word Bros. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you for your guys. time, sir. Awesome. Take care, guys. That was Matt Hawkins. That dude was amazing. Amazing, yes. It was funny because before the interview, Kevin and I were like, all right, well, what are we going to talk to him about? What are we going to ask him? What are we going to do? And we really didn't have to do anything. Because he's very uh, entertaining and he has a lot of stories. And yeah. he's been doing this for a really long time, guys. So. I, I, told, I told Kevin, it reminded me of the Neil Adams panel that I did at Tidewater Comic Con. Where I was like, man, what am I going to talk to Neil Adams about? Ugh. I didn't say shy. I just said, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Adams. And he just talked for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was really easy to, to get with the ask him questions. And there's some good tidbits of information in there for you guys. Yeah. Like, He's got a lot of good advice about doing comics. Just do comics was one of his. We've been saying that since episode one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool too, because like he said, um, the top cow talent hunt thing is coming up. And if you're interested in doing that, if you get your script in early, you will actually get feedback on your script. And my main man, Mike Exner, who I'd like to have on the pod later, he's a, I've known Mike for a really long time. He's a really great dude. He's been, he's been making comics fucking forever. Just grinding it out. 
um, he did the the talent hunt last year, and he got actual feedback. This, I mean, and that's really nice of them to do. Yeah, you guys, they yeah, they don't have to do that shit. There's a lot of time that goes into that. That's very nice of them. And and although he was saying, you know, he does that nicer person, he, he is a very nice guy. He's like, we just caught him on a feisty night. I would say that that's relatively true because he's always been really nice in our online interactions. And he is just a generally warm and friendly guy. There's a lot of laughter in that pod, a lot of positivity in the room. Yeah. And he plays D&D, which is perfect. I mean, which we were nerding out on after and before the pod. <laughs> like it's, we were like, all right, dude, that was really great. Thanks. And he was like, hey, you want to talk more about D&D? And that's the first thing he brought up. And he said, you know, I'm a, I feel like I learned how to tell stories because I was a DM forever. So, I mean, that's awesome. And he's not the first guy. I actually heard John Favreau, the director of Iron Man and Jumanji and all that shit. Um, he actually said that make uh, he became a better storyteller because of playing Dungeons and Dragons as a kid because it's all in your head, man. It's all in your, it's head. All in your head. Yeah, that's cool. Well, good. That was really great, man. And that was he was fucking great. And I don't even really think we need to do much more than that. So. No, we had a great pod. Thank yeah. you guys for listening. Once again, we are the Word Bros. Word Bros. Yeah, dude, that was awesome. And uh, I told him, and during the podcast, I told Kevin, I would fucking follow that dude off a goddamn cliff. Like he was just, <laughs> he got you fired up. And if you're not fired up for doing comics, and if you can't, if you want to do this and you hear that interview and you don't realize how simple of a task it is to get started, then you just don't want to do it. I think that's fair. Like he said, it's, it might be harder for you to break in, but if you stick with anything, I think that there, with enough time and enough of you doing it, you'll eventually get to where you want to be. Yeah. So you just got to keep on trying. So thank well, you guys for awesome. listening. What'd you say? I said, and that was awesome. All right. Thank you guys for listening. As always. Well, I, I hate when people say as always, cause I can't change who I am. So I, I this week I'm Kevin, next week I'm not. You're getting too deep on me, bro. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.